Well, we are in a series called uh, The Organic Life, and what we're talking about is the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, this morning might be a little difficult. We're talking about joy, right? So you'd think to yourself, well, how, how can you mess up joy, right? Well, I plan to do that. Uh, I will give you an, uh, an idea of joy that hopefully uh, might not look uh, exactly like you're used to, but might encourage you as you go along in your life. And so the fruit of the Spirit, basically, uh, if you missed the last couple weeks, these are just attributes of every Christian that's being led by the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's almost like a litmus test for, for you. Like if you're wondering, uh, yeah, I haven't heard from the Lord lately, or I, I don't feel close to him. You can just flip the script, look at your life and go, uh, do I have love? Do I have joy? Do I have peace? Do I have patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness? And then the one we're going to end on, this is right before the chili cook-off, self-control, okay? And I got, it's just so cool, just as an aside. Uh, you don't need to take this out of the podcast. We'll keep it in. Um, be, right on the week of the chili cook-off is a story I'm going to tell you at the Bi uh, in the Bible of a man who had no self-control. It's going to be awesome. So I'm going to tell you about a man who had no self-control, and then we're going to all eat chili. And then did you also notice we have, uh, we're celebrating the birth of the church. That has cake. Uh, the kids are moving up. That has Sundays, uh, ice cream Sundays. So this is Living Spring Church of the Diabetes. Okay, so I don't know. I don't know what it is, but we're doing that. But those are manifestations. Love, joy, peace, patience. All those things are manifestations, kind of uh, a temperature, if you will, a checkup to see, is my life being run by the Holy Spirit? Notice, I never said anything about circumstances. You don't experience those things through the right circumstances. You experience those things through being led by the Holy Spirit. And then one of the things we talked about is this idea that there's only two things you can do. If you're missing one of those things, because it's fruit, you can either feed or prune. That's how you get healthy. You either feed or prune. Here's a, an, uh, this is my front yard, um, and those are garden boxes that Lisa manages. I, I build things. I don't grow things. Um, and so, as a matter of fact, I don't know who built those trellises, but probably Master Carpenter. Anyway, um, so this section right here, um, those were all dying. All those places, zucchini and uh, some uh, other squash and stuff like that. And uh, they were all dying. And so what Lisa did was she gently removed all the plants and she tilled all that earth and she put food and amendments and some uh, moss in there to hold moisture. And she prepared that soil. And then she placed those plants back into the soil. And this is what immediately began to happen. And this is a perfect analogy of what happens when in our lives we begin to prune, we begin to till up the soil in our lives, we begin to feed ourselves uh, the Word of God. We begin to feed ourselves, surrounding ourselves with people who are uh, followers of Jesus that can encourage us. And then we also do some pruning of cutting away some things. And so next week we'll be talking about peace. In order to experience peace, you might have to do quite a bit of pruning in your life. Remove those things that take away your peace. 
Maybe that's, oh, I don't know, just off the top of my head, social media. I don't know. Uh, or the news or whatever it is that's robbing you of that. The same is true with joy. But what I want you to see this morning is maybe a little different idea of what joy looks like than what our culture would tell us joy looks like. Because in our culture, joy looks like uh, getting into power. Joy looks like having things work out for us. Joy looks like getting that job that we really wanted, getting into that school we really wanted, finding that perfect spouse that we really wanted, or maybe that second perfect spouse that we really, really wanted. Uh, It could be all of these different things, but that's foreign to the Bible. And so like everything else, when you look at the fruit of the Spirit and you want to see an example of what it looks like for somebody to live a life that is walking in step with the Spirit, which we'll see in a second, we just look to Jesus, right? And so here's, uh, I'm just going to give you the point for this morning right off the jump, okay? Our joy is dependent on the presence of Jesus, Our joy is dependent on the presence of Jesus. Now, the presence of Jesus can happen whether you're poor, you're rich, you're black, you're white, you're male, you're female. It makes no difference whether you have an education or quote-unquote no education. The presence of Jesus, the presence of God in your life is not dependent on any of that. But our joy is dependent on the presence of God. Now, Uh, We'll do a quick review in Galatians chapter 5 of where we're going with all this. And hopefully you're going to begin to see, if you didn't last week, a tension that we have as we follow Jesus, as we become disciples of our rabbi, Jesus. So Paul is talking and he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. In other words, in every step you take in life. You're listening to that still, small voice. Is this the Spirit of God directing me? And so Paul is saying, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So already you're seeing this this dichotomy. We have our flesh. That's just me, John, who's uh, impatient, okay? I mean, this is a theoretical John, not Pastor John. He's amazing. But uh, impatient, Um, gets offended, okay, Uh, all these different things. Those are the desires of my flesh. I want certain things, and I want them right away, and uh, I have this entitlement, and all these different things that all humans have. We all have it. There's these desires of the flesh, and so if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh, my flesh, desires what's contrary to the Spirit. In other words, you get this idea that we're, we either walk by, if we're not walking by the Spirit, we're actually going the other way. And these are the tensions we manage in life. And you're experiencing them. You experienced them all week long. Something didn't go your way or whatever. And what did you do? You probably got on your knees or you called up a friend. You're like, this isn't fair or whatever. That's all your flesh and its desires. And the spirit is contrary to the flesh. So when you're walking in the flesh, the spirit's like, hey, buddy, in my sense, case, come here. We're going this way. You're going that way. Come on, let's go. And so there's this contrary. They're in conflict with each other. Have you ever experienced that? You ever tried to do a post on Facebook or social media and you're just, you're like, oh, this is a zinger. This will teach that 
Democrat or Republican or whatever. Ah, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. And then they kind of hear in the back of your mind, is that really what you want to say? And you're like, ah, the spirit is always pulling me away from my flesh, right? Because it would feel so good to be right. Doesn't it feel great to be right? Okay, well, that's your flesh. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. In other words, if you're being led by the Spirit, you don't have to be worried about, is it right, wrong, all these things. You know because the Spirit of God is directing you. It goes on. The fruit of that life, the fruit of that walking by the Spirit is, uh, by walking by the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit of walking with the Holy Spirit, if that makes sense. He says, against those things, there is no law. And then you see the dichotomy again. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. I love that word, step. Because the only thing I need to worry about is not the, end, the destination. It's not what's going on. It's just my next step. Dear Lord Jesus, what is my next step in this relationship, in my job, in my neighborhood, in my ministry? What's my next step? That's all we're accountable for. What's your next step? And so we keep in step with the Spirit. Now, I talked about Jesus being the model of the fruit of the Spirit. And so if that's the case, then Jesus is going to be the model of joy. But if you follow Jesus' life, you realize that things didn't work out for Jesus from a human standpoint all the time. Okay? Matter of fact, he even said, if you're going to follow me, I mean, he told his disciples right then, uh, one, one person came up to him and said, I'm going to follow you. And he goes, listen, in this case, bro, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but I don't have anywhere to live. I'm essentially experiencing homelessness. But come on, join us, <laughs> right? This is what Jesus says. So how does the Bible describe this person that has the fruit of the Spirit? That is basically the human manifestation of God. The human manifestation of the Spirit of God. How does the Bible describe him? Listen to this. This is so not American, <laughs> okay? I mean, I love America, but here's the problem. He was despised and forsaken of men. Ew. That doesn't sound like health and wealth to me. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hid their face. This is Isaiah prophesying about my Savior. He was despised and we did not esteem him. This one side of walking with Jesus, it's not always going to work out the way we want it to. It's hardly ever going to work out the way that our flesh wants it to. And when it does work out the way our flesh wants us to, that's what we call happiness, not joy. And it only lasts for a little while. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, like one whom men hide their face. He was despised and we did not esteem him. And so you think to yourself, okay, okay, I get it. To be a Christian means I'm Eeyore. 
okay, I'm going to be like Jesus. Oh, boy, what are you going to do? Oh, there's no, we just walk through life. I try not to sin, so that's no fun, right? I just try to live my life. I got to serve others, so I'm a doormat. I get it. That's what it's like to follow Jesus. Well, if that's the only verse you had in the Bible, then yes, we would be all Eeyores. However, in Hebrews, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. But about the Son, he's talking about Jesus right now, he says, you have loved righteousness. Well, that probably sounds like a little Eeyore too, like oh, I always have to do what's right. I never get my way, right? And hated wickedness. Oh, go, there you go. You're angry all the time. The way America's going, this is terrible. We're all going to die. Therefore, God, your God has set you above your companions. What would be an example of being set above your companions? Well, you win, right? And you're above. You got it. By anointing you with the oil of joy. Jesus being a man of many sorrows, still, through those circumstances, through being beaten, spit on, crucified, misunderstood, persecuted, to be homeless, essentially, kind of going from here to here, not knowing where you, you don't have a bank account, you don't have a 401k, you got nothing. You're just in step with the Spirit. Do you know what put him above his companions? He was anointed with the oil of joy. If you follow a Jesus that is not joyful, you're following the wrong Jesus. Does that mean everything always works out? No, he was a man of many sorrows, despised by men. In the case of Isaiah, he's talking about Jesus on the cross. This is a man that people would turn their face away from. Like, I'm not, I can't even look at that. He's anointed with the oil of joy. Here's what he says to us, okay? This is what our rabbi says. A man who is filled with many sorrows, yet anointed with the oil of joy. Here's what he says to us. Remain in my love, and I remain in you, or abide Watch this. Do what I command. So you're already beginning to see, and we're going to see this throughout all of the scriptures. To experience the joy of God is to experience the presence of God. To experience the presence of God, we walk in obedience. That the more obedient we are to the word of God, the more presence we experience from God. Do what I command. He goes on in verse 11. I have told you this so that you won't be punished. No. I've told you to command, obey me because I'm God, you're not, and you do what I say. That's certainly in the Bible. There's no doubt about that. But this is Jesus talking. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, restored, the way you were created to be. This is why when we talk about sin, we don't talk about it from the standpoint of like right and wrong, although that's what it is. Sin is just operating outside the boundaries of which God has created you to live. So when you lie, God doesn't, didn't create you to have to then lie and then cover it up and then remember how you lied. And then, He created you to just walk in truth. 
Okay, when, when, when he tells you, you know, don't commit adultery or, don't, you know, your sexual ethic, whatever that is, what he t- gives you what your se- sexual ethic is, the idea is that anything else will ruin you. It doesn't fulfill. It's not the way you were created. And so he says, obey my command. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That joy operates outside of circumstances that we don't have to rush it. If we're not married and we think that's going to be the fulfillment of joy, we're not rushing into a marriage that isn't going to work. Right? If we don't have enough money or we're not living the way we want, we don't cheat on our taxes to get that extra little thing so that then we'll have it. That's not a complete joy. He goes on in, verse, in chapter 16, Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Now what he's saying, when you ask and you receive, you'll receive an answer to your question, not you'll receive exactly what you asked for. If that were the case, there would be a brand new Tesla in that parking lot. And it would say PJ on the license plate. Or, okay, anyway, so that's it. You get it, right? That your joy may be complete. So I ask God, God, I, 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 want, I want to get married so bad. And the Lord says, okay, is that really what you need? Look around. Is everybody married joyful? No, Lord. <laughs> okay. Okay, I can wait a little while longer until I find the person you've put in my life. Or I go through my life single like you did, Jesus. And there's this completeness of joy in following our rabbi. Chapter 17, he says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that you may have the full measure of my joy. I can only speak for myself, but my most joyful times in life is when I'm walking in obedience. Period. Full stop. Those are the most joyful. We say, what about, you know, this event and that event? Those are events. (laughs) Those are events. But when I humble myself and I'm going to my rabbi and I say, Rabbi, what would you do in this situation? How would you respond in this situation? And as difficult as it is to deny my flesh and as difficult as it is to walk in that difficult road of obedience, the destination is complete and full joy. So my question is, what are you going through now? Is there something robbing you of your joy now that you think, if only that one thing were solved, right? I was just talking to a person who's going to be retiring in just a couple weeks, okay, and uh, very excited. But I know that person, and I know that will be a great event. But I also know that that person's already joyful because they're walking in obedience and following Jesus, and so they'll just have more time to do what they were already doing. And so there they are. So you say, John, okay, that's Jesus. Jesus is kind of cheating because he was God. And so, and he kind of created the universe. So he has a different perspective than a normal human would be. And so that is kind of cheating. And I'm just going to say this without getting struck by lightning. It kind of is. I mean, if you come down to earth and you've already seen heaven and everything, it does put things into perspective, right? That's why we call this a kingdom perspective. It's the perspective we should all have. But Jesus actually saw it. So we're going we're gonna to say, okay, that was kind of, that was, that was cheating. So who else can we look at? Ah, the Apostle Paul. I'm so glad you asked. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 
Now watch the way Paul describes his life following Jesus. Okay. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path. So let's say you're not a follower of Jesus, okay? And you're new to Living Spring, you're new to the church, or maybe you came back and you're like, I'm going to give it one more try. And you're like, I hope the pastor doesn't put any stumbling blocks in my way to Jesus, right? And so what I would typically do uh, if I cared about that was I would say, oh, when you follow Jesus, your life is immediately transformed and everything goes great. And uh, it's, it's a theology uh, that we call health and wealth. Uh, you, you'll pray and you'll be healed of all your diseases. You'll pray, you'll get the raise. Uh, if you tithe, you'll get back uh, 10 times that. Uh, without realizing that you already had 10 times that. That's why you're tithing in the first place. But I digress. Anyway, I would make it easy for you, right? I wouldn't put any stumbling block in your way. I'd say, all you got to do is pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I accept you. I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying for my sins. I accept you into my heart. I made it to heaven. There you go. Good. Have a nice day. You know, I, I hope the Phoenix Suns win today. Whatever. Oh, boy. But that's not Paul. He doesn't want to put a stumbling block in anyone's path so that his ministry will not be discredited. Rather, here's where he goes. This is what it's like to follow Jesus. So if you're new and you're like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Hold on to your seats. Here it is. This is my relationship with God. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Ooh, okay, so you're bragging about yourself. How, how do you do that? In great endurance. Do you know what endurance means? By definition, it's going to be a long journey, <laughs> okay? When you become a follower of Jesus, that's one step in many steps. It's a wonderful journey, but it's not without its difficulty. Endurance, in troubles. Wait a minute, I accepted Jesus to get out of my troubles. Well, those are the troubles that we bring on with our sin. But there's still troubles because we're in a broken world. In, hard, uh, in hardships and distresses. None of this sounds appealing, by the way. In beatings, beatings, Paul is talking about. Now, if somebody has a reason not to be joyful, if I have a bad day that, if I have a day that has anything to do with beatings, <laughs> it's a bad day. Imprisonments, okay, and riots in hard work. In other words, even when I'm at work and I say, Lord, this day is so long and hard and I've had to do so many things. I have to think about Paul. Oh, for this you have Jesus, buddy. Get back to work in hard work. Sleepless nights and hunger. Whoo! How in the world do you address these things? Now, you have to understand, this is Paul. He didn't create the universe. He wasn't up with God. He's not cheating. Paul's just like you and I. Endurance, troubles, hardships, distresses, beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. How do you handle that? How do you address that? Well, this is verse 5. I'm not skipping any verses. Watch verse 6. Impurity, understanding, patience, and kindness, this is someone who also is anointed with the oil of joy. This is the promise of following Jesus. You're going to have hardships, 
even Jesus. In this world, you'll have tribulation. You're going to have it. You can't medicate your way out of this, the Bible says, all through the Bible. You cannot medicate your way out. You can't escape. You can't divorce your way out. You can't get rid of your children. I've looked at this legal stuff, and it's just very difficult. But anyway, right? This is a person who's anointed with the oil of joy. How do you handle hardships, Paul? Impurity. How do you handle beatings? In understanding. How do you, how do you endure? With patience. What happens when you're misunderstood and attacked? Kindness. He goes on. In the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. In truthful speech and in the power of God. I just want to be clear on this truthful speech thing. It doesn't mean that you can't say anything, that there's injustice, and I'm just going to live by this. No, 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 no. As Christians, we speak up. There's a point to that. In love and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness. Again, we have this thing. I told you, we're always trying. It's obedience that, that invites the presence of God. So we have this righteousness in the right hand and on the left. And then watch what Paul does. He takes this idea of a man of dishonor, but anointed with the oil of joy. This is the walk of following Jesus. Difficulties empowered by the Holy Spirit. Not knowing what to do, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach. Right? There's this tension that we're always managing. Our culture wants to tell us there's only one answer, there's only one way, there's only one thing. Lost all nuance. I can, I'm just giving you a little personal example. I can watch Jack Reacher movies, which I like a lot, and the Hallmark Channel. Okay? I'm not a toxic male and I'm not a flower. Okay? I can do both. At the same time. The Bible's totally comfortable with two things happening at the very same time. Watch what Paul says. Through glory and dishonor. My relationship with Jesus rises above all that stuff. Whether I'm promoted or, oh man, you're not very good at what you do. Bad report was basically my junior high years. And good report. Those are coming someday. Genuine yet regarded as imposters. This would be so maddening to me. This would be so maddening if I was living my life according to every step of the Spirit, like Paul was doing, or at least to the best of his ability, and yet they were saying he's faking it. Oh, that would drive me nuts. Known, yet regarded as unknown. Well, we know who he is, but we just dismiss him, okay? Dying, yet we live on. Beaten, <laughs> and yet not killed. Sorrowful, Paul says. Listen, listen to me. For those of you right now, and I know most of your stories and those who are watching online as well, he doesn't say you just get rid of the sorrowful. There are things that we're going through, you're going through personally, that are sorrowful. And feeling the full weight of that loss, feeling the full weight of the difficulty, feeling the full weight of you've just got a really terrible job and your boss is a jerk. 
You can feel that. God doesn't tell you to just pretend it isn't going away. Jesus was a man of sorrows. Sorrowful. But here's the money. Here's the money verse right here. Yet always rejoicing. Now, this is a trick question, I guess, because I'd probably answer it wrong, I think, personally. But like, would you rather have everything work out perfect for you? Or would you rather have the ability to deal with difficulty? Now, again, even as I ask the question, I still want everything to work out great for me. I'd rather not have any difficulty, right? But that's impossible. The Bible knows it's impossible. Jesus knows it's impossible. The Holy Spirit knows it's impossible. The Apostle Paul knows it's impossible. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. It's almost like the sorrow and the difficulty and the beatings, all the things Jesus went through, remind us that we can transcend that being ourselves anointed with the oil of joy as we keep in step with the Spirit of God. I know people, many, many Christians, many, many Christians, whose circumstances did not change, never changed. And yet, over time, as they wrestled with God, and they said, this is unfair, this is not right, their lives began to transform. And even in the midst of the difficulty, even in the midst of not being able to have a child, And that's what they wanted. That's what the couple wanted. They couldn't have a child. They couldn't have a child. It's just going through all this stuff. Even in that, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. People who are looking for spouses. People who are looking to, it just seems like in their job that just never works out. Everyone keeps getting promoted and they don't. And yet I know them. They're sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. I know people who have been diagnosed with some of the worst physical things you've ever seen. I know Pastor Travis has seen this as well. And yet, for some reason, joy transcends out of that sorrow. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Jesus was a man of sorrows, and yet anointed with the oil of joy. This all comes from the presence of God in our lives. And the presence of God comes through obedience to the word of God. He goes on, just in case we didn't get it, having nothing, having nothing, Paul says, yet possessing everything. Isn't the fruit of the Spirit, when you read that, isn't that possessing everything? Like, isn't that what we use things to try to get? Like, if I just get a raise, then I'll have peace? (laughs) No, no. Holy Spirit says, well, that's not really what brings you peace. We're going to be talking about peace next week. Here's, here's what it says. Uh, just a couple more verses, and then, and then we'll, we'll close up. Uh, the writer of Hebrews is uh, kind of talking. He says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, uh, let us lay aside every encumbrance. So the writer of Hebrews is talking about that same thing. Like obedience is the path to the presence of God, which is the path to joy. And so, so the writer of Hebrews is saying, therefore, since there's so many who've gone before us, who have struggled and yet received this joy, 
Let us throw aside every encumbrance and the sin that entangles us, and let's run with endurance the race set before us, step by step by step in the Holy Spirit. Let's run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or author and perfecter or finisher of our faith. Why? Why? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Now maybe, just maybe, what you are going through right now, you are enduring because there's joy on the other side. Just one step, one step, one step. Can you take one more step in your sorrow? Can you take one more step in your difficulty? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, or pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before me endured the cross, scorning its shame. In other words, he wasn't like, yay, I'm some masochistic savior that just loves to get hit. No, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Joy and God's presence are equal. As Ray comes back up, and uh, we're going to finish with one more song. Psalm 1611 sums this whole sermon up. I didn't want to start with that one, because you'd memorize it real quick, and then you'd just walk out. And you'd be like, I got everything I need. So I saved it till the end, because I'm very selfish this way. Listen to this. You will make known to me the way of life. Another version says, you have made known to me the path of life. And we're all on a path, every single one of us. You have made known to me the path of life. And I, you say to yourself, well, how, how do I know? I mean, like, like if, if, do I marry this person? Do I take this job right now? Our son's at home and he, he's applying to like 20 jobs a day. And he's asking the question, well, what if... Five people get back to me, and I don't know which job to take. I, I know, that's life. That's like for all of us. We're all on a path. You have made known to me the path of life. Here's the kicker right here. In your presence is fullness of joy, and the presence of God has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has all to do with obeying God in your context. Inviting him into your decisions. Inviting him in to your choices. Inviting him into every step you take to be empowered and directed by the Holy Spirit. In your right hand are pleasures forever. So here's what we're going to do. I'm, I'm just going to give you uh, one last verse because I, I was going to avoid this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Notice the caveat, as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When I pray for you, when I'm on my knees for living spring, 
when you fill out those connection cards and you put down your prayer request on that, we pray for every single one of those every single week. If you're connecting with us on the app and you're just, you click uh, connecting and you click just checking in and you put in that prayer request, you know what I pray for all of you? Is that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would trust in him. That for every difficult decision, and there's going to be many, a lot of us go to work tomorrow. We have a boss, and we don't like that boss. And it's like, this is a great sermon, John, but you haven't met her. You haven't met him. If you met him, you'd lose your faith. You'd become something else. I don't even know. Maybe atheist. I don't know. But if you met my boss, this is real stuff. This is real stuff. I'm going to pray for us, and uh, I'm going to put the team on the spot. Dave, if we can, um, I'm going to leave this open. Uh, when I come up for the blessing, if you could switch back to this. Yeah, thanks. Uh, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we are thankful. Oh, we're so thankful that you are a man of sorrows and yet anointed with the oil of joy. How much hope there is in that? How much um, uh, do, we, do we rejoice in that? That we can look at someone like Paul who says there's beatings and there's trials and there's misunderstandings and things aren't going the way I want and imprisoned and ignored and all these things, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Lord, as we enter this time of reflection and just listening to your voice, I pray we would listen to one thing. What is our next step? We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. I felt like the Lord was telling me something for a few of you out there. Um, some of you, your joy is being robbed. You want to experience joy, but it's being robbed. And it's being robbed by what you input into your mind. And so all I want you to do is just as you exit and as you enter your week this week, um, ask the Lord, should I be watching this? Should I be reading this? Should I be around these friends? <laughs> Maybe you just take a week to just prune. We were talking a lot about feeding this morning. It might be time to prune. So here's your blessing for this morning. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.